I think that was like really successful. I didn't even hear your clap. That's how in sync it was with mine. In sync like the band? Exactly like the band. Do we have, can we have like top ramen hair like uh, Justin Timberlake from the early 2000s? I really don't know. I don't understand. I've never understood that even when it was um, happening right in front of my eyes <laughs> in real time. <laughs> I think the true atrocity of early 2000s fashion was his top ramen hair and him going to, I don't know if it was like the VMAs in the full jeans oh. outfit with Britney Spears. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's an iconic look though now. I mean, iconic in a terrible way. In a terrible way, but everybody knows it. I mean, I, I see the picture in my mind without even having, you know, without even having yeah, to yeah, look yeah. it up. No, yeah. You know, any publicity is good publicity. True. Why publicity. haven't they done a Night of a Thousand Britneys on Drag Race yet? Or have they? I don't think they have. And honestly... I'm, I don't know why they ha why they wouldn't have yet. That's kind of weird. Yeah, like, They've done the Madonna thing twice now. Twice, because they had to make up for Kimono Gate. Oh, right. And um, and then there was the Night of a Thousand Michelles, Night of a Thousand Ruse. Right. Yeah, that's kind of strange. I know, I'm Didn't sure they even do Cher? Did they do Cher? I don't think they did. They did the Cher musical. Oh, okay. Where hmm. like, they went through all the phases of her life, but they didn't do like a runway inspired by her. Not to my knowledge, at least. Interesting. Here we are. Um, <laughs> Here we are. What are you watching on TV right now? Um, I don't know if we're watching anything really current right now, to be honest. We're, we're still catching up through all old seasons of things that we are currently watching. So we're currently on season six of Drag Race. We're almost oh at the finale, which is kind of exciting. I think season six might be like truly the pinnacle of drag race it's so so good i forgot so how good. good it is and like honestly up until season six there's a lot of like just very iconic names and very yes. you know people that have made household names for themselves through drag race is season seven i don't want to spoil anything who is in season seven like name season seven is uh, uh violet tchotchke ginger minge okay Pearl, that's what i thought uh, okay katia I you loved know. season seven. I thought it was great. Um, a lot I, of people didn't like it because it was so heavy on acting challenges. But I thought like it, the sad thing is it was a season of really, really talented queens with challenges that were not designed to highlight any of their skills. OK, OK, well, we'll see when I watch it through again. When I watched it through the first time, it wasn't about like necessarily the challenges. It was just about the cast. I wasn't like, if I remember correctly, in love with anybody past the first half like after katia left oh for for sure by then i mean that was later yeah. on though right i mean yeah she was like top five yeah by that time i was like who cares to be honest but i digress and other than that we're oh we're watching you know what we're watching through um <laughs> supernatural oh my god yeah do you Why? remember supernatural i i mean i yes i think it's still on actually davy said oh my isn't it really, really bad? It's, so I don't know how old it is. I remember, oh, it's got to be early 2000s is my guess. Because I remember when it was on, when it was beginning. And I always wanted to watch it because I watched all those types of shows back in, back at that time. Like Charmed and Buffy. And 
I love right. things with supernatural and cosmic things and, you know, coming of age tales. And and I've watched many shows that do the sort of same thing that this show does afterwards, like Grimm and shows like that. And so I've always had Supernatural on my watch list, but I've never done it. And Davies watched it pretty much almost all the way through, except for maybe the most current season that's currently playing. Um, so I was like, oh, yeah, let's, let's, I'm, I'm down. It's been on my list, and Davies suggested it. I'm enjoying it so far. There's a lot of... Um, salt. Salt? Oh, there's a lot of salt, yes. There's a lot of salt. Right, they're like constantly <laughs> making salt circles. <laughs> I wouldn't say constantly, but it's definitely happened. Salt is like a big thing so far. Um, yeah. I enjoy the way they sort of deconstruct some of the, uh, I don't want to say myths, some of the commonly accepted ways that, um, these supernatural forces exist in the world. Like the vampires in this are a little bit different than how we know vampires. The way you kill certain things is a little bit different. And so it's kind of a creative in the way they do that kind of thing. And there have been some twists that I didn't see coming. My main issue with it right now is... And I'm taking everything with a grain of salt because I know it was filmed a long time ago and, you know, production quality is going to be different and the sort of, like, WB, the WB, um, <laughs> CW sort of, like, vibe and audience they're going for. So all of that considered is fine. It's just very heavy-handed with the very male-driven storylines right now. Right. And it, there's nothing wrong with that, but at some point I'm not connecting to the main characters is plights anymore. And so right, because I'm they're way too like straight and bro. -y. Yes. It's very, it's very textbook and it it makes sense, but it's just a storyline that I don't personally connect to. Like the way the brothers interact, the way they deal with their father and daddy issues and stuff. It's just too like uh one dimensional for me in that way. I see. Yeah. yeah. But now that we're like, I think we're like four or five episodes into season two. They're starting to introduce more characters, and I think they're starting to flesh out them a little bit more. I'm sure it always stays a little bit like charmed it gets later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it's ever like an incredible production like Buffy or anything. Right, but I actually really am enjoying it, and I think that they're handling some of the um, mythos pretty well. P.S. I just saw a commercial for a new show that that's that people compared to Buffy the Vampire Slayer and it's coming to Netflix and it's something about like two teen girls who are like twins and they maybe are super powered or they're like assassins or or something like that but it, people are saying it's uh sort of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer oh let me hang on I'll look it up really quick I'm really curious I wanted to also ask have you ever seen the movie Frailty no it's from, uh, I want to say, early 2000s. It's, it's really, it was a popular movie enough. I think Matthew McConaughey is in it, and, oh, I'm forgetting his name. Um, Bill Pullman, maybe? Anyway, it's a really similar concept, base concept to Supernatural, you know, like a father and two hmm. sons, two young sons, and hunting evil things, but it's just a totally different take on it, um, and it's a great, great, great movie. I couldn't recommend it enough so the the new netflix show is uh called teenage bounty hunters which sounds like a terrible name it does uh, but <laughs> but it says uh two teenage fraternal twins navigate the normal demands of growing up including high school and relationship drama along with being as the title notes bounty hunters who track down all kinds of baddies 
and and they oh this was it they compared it to a, a combination of veronica mars and buffy the vampire slayer okay which are uh, both incredible shows i've so. never seen veronica mars what i know i it honestly and a lot of things you'll you've heard throughout the podcast if you're listening and you've heard throughout our friendship a lot of things missed me and i really wanted to watch them and i just didn't Veronica Mars never, ever, 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 ever appealed to me until... But it has Kristen Bell. I know, but I didn't really care about Kristen Bell at the time as that show was out. Because what else had she done at that point? So I didn't have a frame of reference for her. And so it didn't interest me. It just seemed like not my type of show. Now... You would love it. You would love it. Now how much I love Kristen Bell, now I'm interested. And like with all the like looking back at it stuff, it's like, okay, now I need to watch it. Did you ever watch um, House of Lies with her and, oh shoot, I'm forgetting his name. I don't um, think so. Um, it's a TV show hmm. and it is Kristen Bell and Don Cheadle. And I love it's him. A five, it, yeah, and it's a five season show. And <laughs> what, what I love, love, love about this show is kind of like The Good Place where Kristen Bell is a really bad person, but she <laughs> looks just like and has the demeanor of this just angelic person she is a full monster on house of lies and like has the like nastiest lines and the cruelest comebacks and it's just engrossing to watch her play that kind of character i honestly will watch her do anything like even those like little commercials she's doing with her husband (laughs) for like the fake meat yeah i love those those commercials (laughs) yeah it's good So uh, I'm so yeah, into it. You have to watch House of add, add House of Lies to your list to watch. Okay, as well. yeah, definitely. I've never even heard of it, so I'm gonna look it up. So this is cool story. Yeah, welcome to cool story. And you've just heard a really cool story, and you're gonna hear a lot more if you keep listening. A lot more. That's right. Um, this is the podcast where we recap. I don't know. Recap. Talk about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time series. We're uh, working our way through the Great Hunt right now, and uh, when last we left, folks were. I think the Nynaeve and Egwene were on their way to Tarbalon, and Matt and Perrin and Rand are hunting the horn, and suddenly they've gotten separated. And that's kind of roughly where we left off last time. Yeah, that sounds about right. The past few chapters, we've had a lot of back and forth um, perspective shifts. It yeah. sort of reminds me of in the first book when the the group, the core group Gets split separated. up. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, but I like this this perspective shift even more because it's, you know, we know them all more now and now we're we're starting to flesh out a lot more of the storyline. I felt like these chapters that we're going to be covering, while they are short, they're very dense with a lot of yes. what feels like important information for the rest of the book. So I'm excited. Yes. Yeah. Ugh, it's just, it's getting, it's getting exciting. It's for getting me. real. Getting excited. It's yeah. getting real in here. Okay. <laughs> it's getting hot in here. <laughs> So take off all your clothes. Wow, we we are really, we've got some things we go back to a lot. (laughs) Do we say that a lot? We did a whole thing with Hot in Here in a previous episode. Or should I say I did and made you participate. Go along with it, yeah. (laughs) Oh boy, that was Nelly, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Um, what a time. (laughs) What a time to be alive. So this is going to be starting with chapter 13, which is called From Stone to Stone. And the sigil, well, the, what did we say it was? Sigil? Sigil. Sigil. (laughs) I remember you teasing me for saying it sort of like Steven Seagal or something like that at the very beginning. 
Oh, I don't know. Gosh. Anyway, but so now all of a sudden in my head, I had in my head like, oh, maybe it is. That. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, so the little chapter icon is a portal stone. I had to look that up because I'm so excited. It's a brand new so chapter new icon one. for us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, right? It's, it's, I'm so excited. And as soon as I looked it up and saw, okay, what is this thing called so I can write this down, and I saw the word portal stone, I was like, oh, I'm very excited by whatever this might be about. Yeah. And it didn't let me down. So, um, as I said, we're in a perspective switch, I believe, um, or at least we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're switching perspectives, sort of. So Rand is waking up in the hollow that they were camped out at previously, and uh. by they... I, sorry, it was a bad joke. I literally just, I just said, holla. Uh, are you Heather? <laughs> yes. <laughs> My business is making women feel great about themselves. Holla. Holla. <laughs> so he's waking up in the hollow, um, and he's with only... Matt, 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 Matt. What? We need to record a special episode where we create real oh. Housewives taglines for each of the main characters of the series. Oh, that's genius. As you were saying it, I knew what you were, where you were going, and I got, yeah, oh, yeah, that sounds like okay. so. Okay, all right, we'll, we'll divide them up and see what we can figure out. That's not even like a, a, a project that I feel like I have to put on my list. That's like an exciting <laughs> assignment. Like, <laughs> I'm thrilled. The real Housewives of Randland. Yeah, <laughs> Randland. Okay. Yes. I can't wait. Okay. That's going to be, a, oh, that could be a whole side quest episode, honestly. Yes. With as many characters as we've met enough to do a tagline on so far. Forget it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Genius. So he's waking up in the hollow they camped out at, and he basically is experiencing what feels like a really, really bad hangover. He's achy. He's uncomfortable. His memory is spotty. Um, he <laughs> looks around and he's lost. And, I've unfortunately been there. I immediately started th- uh, singing the theme song to the Pepto Bismol commercials in my in my head. Hey, Pepto Bismol. Uh, uh, no, it's like uh, nausea, heartburn, upset stomach. No, nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset, upset stomach, stomach, diarrhea. diarrhea. Hey, Pepto Bismol. <laughs> this is oh, brought boy. to you by Pepto Bismol. I wish. Yeah. I mean, there could be other things, but I'm not, I'm not ashamed of being... If we were sponsored by Pepto-Bismol only, I'd be okay with that. Whatever. Listen. Well, look, we cannot do that. <laughs> we have to edit that out. That is too, too direct. I know it was not on purpose. <laughs> okay. Uh, so beside him in this hollow are Loyal and... Did we say it was Hurin? Is that how we were saying it? I say Hurin. Hurin. Yeah, that sounds more natural. So beside him are Loyal and Hurin. They're still asleep. And I just thought, if this was indeed just a hangover, this is indicative of a wild night. I mean, yes. nobody else is Full around John besides... John Mellencamp, Michelle Ndege Ocello, wild night. <laughs> is Colin. Exactly. But anywho, I seriously doubt that, you know, Randa's at any fun or ever will be. So this is not that. He looks around and he sees that it's just the three of them and that everyone else from the party that was with him is gone. And the edge of their hollow where their um, campground was seems a little different. The white stone that they're on, as well as the surroundings in general, all are very muted. And everything has this sort of weird appearance to um, like being shrouded in mist, but without there being a, a great deal of mist or anything. So correct. Oh, that reminded me. Do you ever play Mist for um, 
for uh, like PC. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I still don't know what the fucking point of that game was, but I played I, the hell out of it. I was um that's part of the reason I brought it up is because my brother played it a lot when we were growing up and me and my brother played video games a lot together, but I often would as the younger brother and the less skilled one would be watching him play games more and oh like my God, navigating story of my life. Yeah. One of us would be the navigator with like an instruction like the strategy guide or something. And then the other person would be playing. Then we take turns, quote unquote, but he would his turns would always last longer. Oh, and, yeah. He'd always go first. He'd always la- like right. play longer and then be like, no, it's my turn again. Exactly. And he'd, uh, the, the trick, he, uh, there's a story behind this, but he would always like trick me into like, when it was games like um, for Nintendo where you could play two player, but you're each playing in- independently, like old, old school Mario games. Yeah. Where you just, the player two will just pick off from wherever they left off, even if it's five, six rounds behind. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was like, Exactly what would happen with those games is my brother would get to a certain point and he listens to this podcast, so he's definitely going to love that I'm sharing this. He would get to a certain point and then, you know, he'd lose and it would be my turn and he would do this thing because he knew I was so gullible. I'd be passing like a hole in the ground or something and he would go, oh, oh man. And I'd be like, what, what, what is it? He's like, nothing, nothing, nothing. And I'd be like, what? And he'd be like, I missed something when I went through. That's all. And I just remembered. And I'd be like, what is it? And he'd be like, there's a like a, a secret stage because old games did that all the time. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, like go down that pipe, jump off to the side. Yes, jump in the thing that would normally kill you. But it actually is a secret stage where you get like a power up. They always did that. And so he would trick me into jumping into like a hole and I would die and it'd be his turn again. Oh, man. And I'd have been pl- I would have been playing for like three minutes, maybe. And then he would he, I was so gullible <laughs> that he would be able to do it multiple times sometimes in the same round. Like, oh, oh no, oh, no. it must have been another round. It, it must have been another hole. It's probably that hole over there. Yeah, yeah. Or he, I would just get it in my head that it was something that he missed that would make me maybe make me advance further than him. And I was like, I need to I, I, even though he's not saying anything anymore. I just need to manipulation. Maybe he's <laughs> you know, he knows the eyes to die ways. <laughs> so anyway i brought up mist because i would watch him play this game endlessly for hours and then i would play little by little i have no idea what the game is about no you would just like walk around and touch things it was so strange right okay good i'm glad you said that so anyway the only things that are clear that are not shrouded in a misty sort of way are his friends and himself they're like sort of vibrant around him and then in front of them it says At Rand's head rose a gray stone cylinder, every bit of three spans high and a full pace thick, covered in hundreds, perhaps thousands of deeply incised diagrams and markings in some language he did not recognize. Can you, maybe you can help me with these measurements because I'm not even going to look it up. Spans high and a pace, how big do you say this thing is? I, okay, I think it is approximately the height of a like a regular house roof like probably like 10 or 12 feet tall and um maybe like six feet in radius okay so i i kind of picture it like a a pretty big like stone monumenty thing like kind of when you come across a um one of those water not a water tower but like one of those big water drums Oh, like a like a water silo type thing. Yeah, but they're silo? like that you can like climb on top of. You know, like I when don't you think go they're like quite like they're not that tall okay. because usually those things are like lifted off the ground, but kind of that shape. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, yeah, that's kind of that's like a helpful. really really big drum. 
Yeah. Th- yeah, that's kind of what I'm imagining. Like, yeah, I don't know what's actually in them. I always assume they're water. But you know when you're, like, driving on the side of the road, sometimes you see, like, in the distance this, like, cylindric yeah. thing? Yeah, I think yeah. those are grain silos. Oh, okay. Well, I-, I don't mean, like, those really tall, tall ones. Oh, those, I think, are water. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. That's helpful, because I was, like, spans and heads, and I'm not doing this. So... <laughs> Rand is freaking out when he sees this thing because he it's an unfamiliar strange thing number one and that always freaks Rand out um number two he sees that there are large steps leading like leading around the rim of it and they're in different colored stone and so he he's not sure what this thing is he wakes his friends who are equally shocked at their surroundings um they went to bed someplace and they woke up someplace else and they did not recognize this thing so and where is everybody so they're freaking out Studying the cylinder, Loyal looks as though he's nervous or sort of unhappy, and he reveals that he's got an idea of what this thing might be. He had come across a few pages in an old book with some sort of vague descriptions of stones that the Aes Sedai could use to travel if they had that ability, that is. And he notes that the colors of each step corresponded to one of the Ajas of the Aes Sedai. That's right. Which was cool. I was like, oh, that's a cute, that's a cute, that's a cute detail. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I did. I thought it was kind of cool. The quote he remembers from the pages is, from stone to stone run the lines of if between worlds that might be. And I thought that was a really cool sentence. Yeah. 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 And so he supposes that this would explain where they might be if they're were I to die around, but since there aren't, dot, 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 but, you know, we all know that this isn't true and that Rand, you know, is essentially I to die. So he starts his inner panic and he, he is feeling like he may have done this somehow inadvertently. He, he doesn't remember doing anything that would have triggered something like this, but he starts to remember his feeling of the void before falling asleep and his visions and reaching for the light to escape. And he's convinced now that this was him touching the source and now they're teleported to another world or something. And what does this all mean? So Loyal says, if a woman go left or right, does time's flow divide? Does the wheel then weave two patterns? It's literally sliding doors for uh, with Gwyneth oh my god I haven't seen that movie in forever okay I really I can't I really really have very strong dislike feelings for Gwyneth Paltrow but I do think there are things she's in that are incredible and I really love sliding doors I think it's such a good movie I okay I I'm like 100% on the same page as you and you described it in a way that I think I'm going to steal because I have this really conflicted feeling about Gwyneth Paltrow myself because there are so many movies that she's been in at least three or four I could think of off the top of my head that I really, really like. And I really like her in those movies. Yes. I just have a real I just, strong distaste for her in general. And this is like even pre the whole goop nonsense. Like, Do you know what I think spurred it for me was I watched a Kathy Griffin stand-up special where she talks about how if you watch Gwyneth Paltrow on the red carpet, she always does this thing where she's like, she responds to any question that somebody asks like, <sighs> As though they're like the stupidest person yes. alive. Like, of course I did. Like, she yes. always has that attitude in the Kathy Griffin like comedy uh, stand-up. Thing. I know exactly. And I think the that just like, I think that just like permeated my brain, and and that's how I started feeling about Gwyneth Paltrow, whether it's accurate or not. But I think it was that that was a part of it for me too. And then multiple other like celebrity um, tales you've heard about her, like from other people saying like, oh, I tried to interview yes. her and she's this way, or I've met her and she's a nightmare, or like no one, yeah. you know, yeah. 
I really like though. Did you have you watched the Netflix show The Politician? No, but it's on my list, and I cannot wait to watch it. It's very. It's really. It's a Ryan Murphy show, so of course it's like fucking off the rails minute one. But it's really good, and (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow is incredible in it. Like she's just this unbelievably bizarre character and she does it really really well which you know what i think there's a movie that she was in called like the royal tenenbaums that's my that I... favorite movie with her in it favorite i've never seen it but she plays that kind of character or like everybody in that movie is like just bonkers right yeah because it's one of those movies what is it the coen brothers or um okay yeah yeah is this the coen brothers you know they do like bottle rocket royal tenenbaums i always say the wrong thing because i always get them mixed up with the people who did like a mighty wind and um dog best in show because i think it's brothers also but anyway yeah it's it's a great 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 movie everyone is totally um caricatures of themselves it's shot so beautifully like the way that what is it moonrise kingdom have you ever seen that mariah's kingdom moonrise kingdom oh or is it moonlight i was like mariah's world that that uh, (laughs) hell no that like no online special about mariah carey no she's great and she plays like a, a did i watch what the mariah mariah's world the reality show Yes. Oh, we watched a few together, actually. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. I couldn't remember. I'll never forget the talking head moments where she's lounging in, like, the tightest lingerie negligee you've seen in your life on, like, a chase lounge in a yes. palatial place, whereas every other show's talking head is, like, in a green screen room with, like, a candle <laughs> in the background. I'll never forget when her staff are, like, wheeling her to the stage on, like, an office chair because she doesn't want to walk. <laughs> <laughs> She's iconic on so many levels. Okay. Honestly. Sorry. So Where back are, to what Loyal was saying. Back to Loyal. Oh, we got there from sliding doors. Yes, okay, great. Yes, yes, yes. So Loyal is explaining sort of what he knows, what he has read about the, um, what he's read and understands about these stones. And he says, if a woman go left or right, does time slow divide? Does the wheel then weave two patterns, a thousand for each of her turnings, as many as the stars? Is one real, the others merely shadows and reflections? You see, it was not very clear. Mainly questions, most of which seemed to contradict each other, and there just wasn't much of it. He went back to staring at the column, but he looked as if he wished it would go away. There are supposed to be a good many of these stones scattered all over the world, or there were, once, but I never heard of anyone finding one. I never heard of anyone finding anything like this at all. Loyal is usually the one that knows more about these things than anyone else because he's so he's been around for so long. He's so well read, so learned, and has such a passion for understanding and learning the world around him and and where they came from and where it is now. So for him to only know just such a skim about this, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's going to be a big part of the of the story. Yeah. Hurin begins to um, beg Rand to save them. He's freaking out, and if not to get word to his wife and family that he's gone afterwards so that they can rest easy. He keeps calling him a lord, and Rand's knee-jerk reaction to say that he isn't one for once does not take effect, and he instead gives his word that he'll make sure of it. And is sort of, we sort of see in these chapters Rand learning how to read the room a little bit more, mm-hmm. in my opinion, and sort of like a, a, a small feeling of acceptance happening. Yeah. So he yeah, stares he, at he's like stepping into that leadership role, even if it's reluctant. Finally. But he's actually yeah. he's re- he's recognizing through these chapters that there is a need for someone to be in charge. And even if he doesn't feel like he can do it, he is the one that has to do it. He has a responsibility. Right, right. He has knowledge that they, they do not. 
and he's not sharing it with them. So he has a responsibility. He's essentially gotten them into this mess and he's got to get them out of it, which is, yeah. which is how he feels. He even says that. So he stares at the column and inside he knows that he has to at least try to get them out of here as badly as he doesn't want to channel or do anything that would bring him closer to being an Aes Sedai or to this, uh, to the one source. He approaches the pillar, and when he touches the polished stone, it feels like oil-slicked metal, which made me think in my mind not much unlike, unlike how they described Sidon, like oh, yeah, the that's oil true. slick on top. Yeah. So he touches his, he closes his eyes and he finds the void, but the light this time comes much more easily to him, and when he reaches towards it, and we know the light is something he felt previously when he was able to channel. And he, uh, when he tried to channel, whether he wanted to or not. And so he, it's coming way more easily to him. And when he reaches it, it feels like a layer of scum over clean water. And no matter how hard he tried to pull through towards him, that clean water feeling and that light, all that remains when he pulls his hand out of it is this feeling of slime on his flesh. Right. And he, it, this all sounds exactly like what Moraine had it described what happens when men touch the source he forms an image of where he'd like them to be just outside of the void instead and he tries to force it into the light but the void ends up shattering and it's like glass cutting his mind which i, I totally envisioned it in my mind the way they described it like yeah. he's concentrating really hard he's trying to do this meditative practice and he he does something he's never done before which i'm surprised he had the wherewithal to do which is like forming this vision outside of the void and then outside of the light and trying to mash them together sort of to protect himself yeah. from touching it it doesn't work and then it shatters and it's it's definitely affected him did you ever like have you watched you've watched a fair amount of like anime oh yeah cartoons right like you know when in Yu-Gi-Oh, when like somebody's battle monster gets destroyed and like the like <sighs> hexagon lines go across the screen and they go like oh and yes. like it goes kind of like gray and that's exactly what my brain pictured you, i i pictured something very similar like when you're playing um some of the older rpgs for like super nintendo sometimes when you mm -hmm. beat like a boss that was especially hard instead of them just dying or like the image of them fading away, it would like shatter. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think Breath of Fire was one of the ones that did that a lot. That's how I pictured it in my mind too. So we're, we are cut from the same cloth. Maybe we're Tavaren. <gasps> Maybe. <laughs> I'll, I'll prefer not to be. So when he comes to, and after this happens, he still feels that like slicing feeling and it remains when he opens his eyes on like his head and his head area. There's no signs of anything that had happened obviously to the naked eye, but you know, we know that when he wakes up from these experiences and he still has the feeling in the real world that sort of colors the fact that it's real, it's really happening and it's having an effect on him. What he did here was reminiscent of the lessons that we saw the girls learning on the road to Tarvalon and the stories we've heard of all the male Aes Sedai, as I said, and so I just love that they are now having it happen in real in a real tangible way for for the readers like me. Yeah, yeah. So Rand says he'll try again later, but Huron suggests trying to track the dark friends instead. And he's like, "You can smell them." And I would be so pissed if I was Rand and I just did all this and you just kept that to yourself. <laughs> like, hello. Well, he was trying to get them back. I know, but you might want to mention we're in an unfamiliar place. You might want to be like, I don't know where we are, but I can still smell the trip. I would be so pissed. But Rand okay. handles it way, <laughs> way better than I would have. He said he can smell the trail of the dark friends, but it's strange. It's sort of faint, and it's in the same direction they would have gone if they hadn't 
teleported to a new area. And mm-hmm. so he doesn't know what that means. But in any event, Rand figures it's their best course of action right now. And he's shamefully afraid to try again anyway. So he's like, phew, yeah, let's do that. So <laughs> they head out on the trail and Loyal questions what made Rand believe he was able to use the stones in the first place anyway. And like I said, Rand for once sort of actually thought quick on his feet, in my opinion. And he says to him, basically, if the dark friends made it through that we're tracking, then there there has to be a way to get through without Aes Sedai presence. And it must be easier if they were able to figure it out. So if they were able to figure it out, we can figure it out. Loyal doesn't completely buy it, but he probably figures Rand is like a dummy, in my opinion, because he kind of (laughs) brushes it off and is like, okay, let's, let's go. He doesn't seem skeptical, in my opinion, at least. So I was like, okay, Rand, that was actually pretty good. Pretty good reasoning if, if you pull yeah, it off Yeah, for well. once you're like kind of quick on your feet. Thinking. Yeah. So Robert, uh, so the next, I just thought Robert Jordan did a really great job of describing this sort of alternate world they're in. It really, this section like totally put it in my mind because I was having a hard time sort of envisioning the way they were describing the mist and all that. And so Robert Jordan writes, worst of all, though, the land seemed to twist the eye. What was close at hand looked all right, and what was seen straight ahead in the distance. But whenever Rand turned his head, things that appeared distant when seen from the corner of his eye seemed to rush towards him, to be nearer when he stared straight at them. And I just thought this like feeling of dizziness and warped perspective was really well described, and it just makes it feel like everywhere they look perspective is totally warped and strange and it it makes you you under it makes me understand at least why they are so like caught off guard they're not just in an unfamiliar place they're like in a place where the rules of (laughs) what you the rules of vision aren't working the same they're literally in like the world equivalent of a magic eye poster right now (laughs) oh my god exactly yeah they really they really are they really are. And I also, <laughs> there's some, I, you know how I talk about how this was the book that I skipped a lot as a child when I was reading it. Yeah. I think part of why was, you know, like Ren and Stimpy, the mm. cartoon. Yes. As opposed to Ren, Ren and Stimpy, the Broadway show. Um, <laughs> they, there was something about that cartoon where it was just like the world around Ren and Stimpy was like gross and like felt yucky and like looked oh, nauseating. Yeah. Disgusting. And and everything was smelly and disgusting and gross. I, I could never watch Ren and Stimpy because of that. It just made me really, like, physically uncomfortable to watch Ren and Stimpy. And that's how I kind of imagine this world. It's like, you know, it's it's hard to look at. It makes you nauseous. Things Harsh are, like, shifting. And, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I felt a similar way watching Ren and Stimpy growing up. Or, like, something like Beavis and Butthead or yes. th- yeah. things like that. But for me, when I would, since I was so not allowed to be watching almost anything growing up in the kind of household I grew up in... When I would watch a show like that, I felt like, oh, I'm doing something bad. Like, I would be in trouble if my dad or someone caught me watching the show, even though it wasn't scandalous, just because the vibe and the environment was so, like how you said. Like, I remember there was yeah. there was a few episodes of Ren and Stimpy, particularly, where they dealt with, like, being inside of the human body somehow. And there mm-hmm. was always this thing about, like, when you lose a tooth and, like, the nerve ending that sticks out. And, like, how much pain the person would experience if the nerve ending touched Runner Stimpy. And it was just, like, the I'll never forget those that episode of those episodes because it's so jarring. Ooh. Yeah, I know I know exactly the feeling you mean. So, anyway, I think that's part of why I, I skipped this book a bit as a child was because it was, like, ooh, this is, like, a, a 
an icky feeling world that they're yeah. in right now. Really so, uncomfortable, anyway. probably, to read as a kid. Yeah. So Rand starts to wonder what this change in atmosphere sort of means. Um, he's not, you know, the, we know that this is like a, a portal stone, and we're, as a reader, I think we're all on board with this, but remembering, of course, that all of this is still new to them, even loyal. So he thinks about how close they are to the monument to Arthur Hawkwing and wonders if in this place where the things he's witnessing happening are possible, if that monument could possibly still be standing and yeah. how amazing that would be. Right. He says, and then they ride south and that is the end of the chapter. Sweet. Before we move on to the next chapter, just want to remind our listeners to subscribe, like, and review our podcast, uh, because if you're enjoying listening to this, uh, it will help other people find the podcast and enjoy listening to it as well. So please subscribe, listen, rate, review, share it with friends. Yes, please do all of those things simultaneously. With your octopus arm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so chapter 14 is called Wolf Brother. And the sigil for this chapter is a wolf, which tells you it is a parent chapter. Boop, boop. Was that a wolf sound or a <laughs> no, trumpet? No, it was like a celebratory sound. <laughs> oh, okay. So back at the Hala, uh, Ingtar, <laughs> Matt, and Perrin, and the rest are waking up, and they're shocked to find Rand, Hirin, and Loyal gone. And even more shocked that nobody can seem to find any tracks away from the campsite. So basically, they just like vanished in the night. And Matt is thinking maybe they ran away because remember, Rand was like, oh, I was trying to get away, da 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 da. And so Matt is thinking maybe he just found a way to sneak away from everyone. Yeah. But Perrin is kind of like thinking back on the conversation he had with Rand and feeling bad about it. And so he is thinking, okay, how can I help find Rand? So Perrin closes his eyes and like reaches out to the wolf to kind of like see if they can help to like track down Rand or the Trollocs or whatever. And so he reaches out and the wolves are at first surprised to hear or feel a human talking to them. And so they wonder first if he's Elias. They call him Longtooth. Mm. And Perrin's like, no, 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 I'm like, I'm Perrin. And he sends a, a picture of himself or a, a sensation of himself and they're like, oh, yeah, we've heard of you, too. It's like online dating. <laughs> yes. So they're like, oh, yeah, we've heard of you, too. We call you Young Bull. Oh. I know, right? I was Sexy. like, that's cute. I like that they have like, these names for him, for them. Yeah. And so through his wolf telepathy, he sends them the scents of Rand, Loyal, and Huron and asks if anyone had scented them. And they kind of like send him... They're like images and memories, and the last they had seen of them were them actually walking into the camp that they're in. So they never saw anybody leaving the camp. So Perrin is extra confused at this point. Yeah. Uh, but he also sends them the scent of Trollocs, which sends the wolves into just a total rage because they absolutely hate Trollocs. And uh, we learn that wolves apparently will like go through fire to kill a Trolloc. That's how much they hate them. I mean, can you blame them? <laughs> No, not at all. But with that communication, they do send Perrin some like info on where Fane and the Trollocs are. So my note to myself says they essentially start using wolf GPS to track down the Trollocs and Fane. I'm going to see if I could change my voice of Siri into a wolf voice. Uh, can you just like... <laughs> so then uh, bah, 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 bah. Perrin gets kind of caught up in the wolves' fury about the Trollocs, 
and has to kind of like collect himself and remind himself he's a man, he's not a wolf. And he must be making some kind of odd face because Matt asks, are you okay? <laughs> and Perrin tells Ingtar that he knows where Fane and the Trollocs are. And Ingtar asks how. And Perrin like pauses for a moment before going, wolves told me. <laughs> I can imagine I mean, it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I feel like I would have just said like, I think I can be a sniffer like Huron. Like I can smell their trail or like, I don't know why he felt he had to tell Ingtar, but apparently he decided to trust him and tell him that he can talk I'm to wolves. I'm glad he did. It probably felt like a big relief to just say it out loud to somebody. Right. And I guess Matt was there, so Matt must have heard it as well, because Perrin, up to this point, I think it was just Egwene and Moraine who knew about it. Yeah. Maybe Lan. Basically everybody but Rand and Matt, because uh, <laughs> they're like just the clueless trio who doesn't know anything about each other. Right. But Ingtar says he's actually heard of this before, and he asks Perrin if he, uh, or no, he just says he's heard of this before and mentions the a warder named Elias Mashera. And my note to myself to ask you was, did we know that Elias was a warder before? Or is that where we learned that? We did not know he was a warder before, but we did know okay. that other people in, was it Lan? Someone important knew who Elias was. Yes. When Lan Perrin knew. first yeah. rejoins everybody and they mentioned Elias, someone knew who he was by name, but I did not know. If they mentioned it, it totally missed me. Okay, yeah, I don't think we knew he was a warder up until this point, but yeah. that makes sense because, like, in the first book, Elias was talking about how he doesn't like Aes Sedai, he doesn't, you know, they think what he does is weird and wrong, and, and so that would explain why he had those experiences because he used to be a warder. Yeah, and I think he describes, like, a, a situation he had to escape, right? Like Yes. And yes. so now we know, you know, it wasn't just like he now was held prisoner, he was already there, and I guess he had to, you know, they've tried to root him out or something or he, him, felt, or he felt yeah, at least like something. they were going to try to root him out so ingtar is like awesome the wolves can show us the way but don't tell everybody else because they might not understand so he decides that the story they're going to use is that perrin ha also has the same talent as Huron and matt oh and so maybe matt wasn't present for this conversation because i don't think he was myself i think he okay. was like a little bit further back at that to point. the side okay yeah. yeah because matt is like you a sniffer are you as crazy as rand i'm the only sane one left from emmons field so i guess he's he didn't know this about perrin either you know what drives me crazy about that and you you touched on it a second ago why these three boys they know that they're supposedly taverin right whether they yes. believe it or not yes. They all realize something about themselves privately that makes them yes. very different from who they thought they were and very different from quote unquote human. And they yes. recognize it to be true, whether they're happy about it or not. How can they not at all recognize it in anybody else, especially the people closest to them? I think it's, I always interpret this as like a critique of toxic masculinity, that they can't be vulnerable mm. with each other. They yeah. can't show any weakness to each other. You know, they can't share secrets or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, I've seen traces of that throughout. So that makes sense. Yeah. So men, share your feelings because you never know if your best friend can talk to wolves. Okay. Hello. They ride south and Perrin gets a mental flash of what the wolves are seeing. And it, it's a pile of human bodies with the heads stacked on top, which we, last time we Yikes. saw kind of Fane's perspective, he was like, kill all the villagers and stack their bodies in like some weird, creepy pile. Yeah. So Perrin like kind of gets a vision of that and is like, 
and decides he doesn't want to go up the hill. <laughs> so he stops the column of riders and says, I think the Trollocs killed the villagers up there. And as Ingtar is like, okay, cool, cool, cool. They spot somebody riding up behind them. And they're like, oh, there's a rider behind us. And Matt is like, oh, maybe it's Rand. And then a direct quote is Matt saying, I knew he wouldn't run out on me. And in all capitals, I wrote more gay subtext. Hello. He, he let it was a Freudian slip. Yeah, right. He's in love with Rand. Mm -hmm. It could not be more obvious. Yeah. But it turns out it's Varen. Yay. Yay. And she rides up and says, Maureen Sedai sent me, Lord Ingtar. She thought you might need me. And then she kind of starts prattling on in her Varen way and is like, la la la, trees, birds, skies, Trollocs, da 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 da. Hey, wait a minute. Where's Rand? And <laughs> Ingtar explains that they disappeared in the night, but they're hot on the Trollocs trail with Perrin, their new sniffer. And Varen kind of like looks at Perrin and doesn't really say anything, uh, but she does say she's going to ride south with them and that Ingtar must tell her everything he can about Rand, everything he did, everything he said. And so Matt and Perrin are riding next to each other as the the party heads south. I'm assuming, I just keep saying south. They're heading They are, direction. I think, yeah. Okay. And so Matt and Perrin are next to each other and Matt mutters that it's Rand that Varen is after, not the horn. And Perrin nods in agreement. And Perrin thinks to himself, wherever you've gotten to, Rand, stay there. It's safer there. So again, they clearly know nothing about each other because now Rand's in some fucking nightmare world. But can, anyway. Can you remind me about Varen? Yes. Is she the Aes Sedai that when Matt was sick, Perrin visits him and uh, when Aes Sedai on his way out, like, recognizes who he is and and can tell that he's... Wolf brother? No. Who so is that? Was that's, that Elida? That's Alana. Alana. There we Wait, go. Wait, is that Alana? No, I think that it's Leanne. It's Leanne. Okay. The okay. Just making sure. Varen is the chubby librarian yeah. brown Aja who was was with Moraine and, and Swan and was like, oh, by the way, I know that one of these boys is the Dragon Reborn. Yeah. And the, she's the one that they thought they were going to have to kill, essentially. Yes. When exactly. she yeah. disclosed who she, what she knew, but then they're like, oh, she's a seeker of knowledge and I, don't, I think we're okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And that is the end of chapter 14, Wolf Brother. That Hello. was great. And I have to say, in a very wise woman, I have a quote I wrote down from that. I can't remember who said it, but for Perrin, it reminded me so much of Perrin. And I wanted okay. to share it with you. I can't wait. She says, and this is what I want, share, uh, I want Perrin to take to heart, because I think if he embraced this, it would help him. Yeah. She says, there's a she-wolf in the closet. <laughs> Open up. And set her free. Oh, there's a she-wolf in the closet. Let it out so it can breathe. And I just think, I wish I could remember what tome that was transcribed from. It must be ancient. I think that's from the um, the Old Testament, actually. Is it? Is it a biblical thing? Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, uh, like the book of Shakira Astes, uh, 3742. Uh, you know, I, I probably put it out of my mind because I don't think I could have pronounced the book. Um, my favorite thing is when I'm like giving life advice to people or like whatever, being like, well, you know, it's it's like sh a wise woman once said, every day is a winding road. <laughs> I love that. Or, it's one of my favorite things to do, too. <laughs> life is a mystery. My favorite one to say is, a very wise woman once said, laugh it off and let it go. Come tomorrow. It'll be so yesterday. Is that Jessica Simpson? Or uh, Ashley Simpson? Hillary Duff. Avril Lavigne. Hillary Duff. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, 
Anyway, My next that was, was going to be uh, Avril Lavigne, but I'm pretty close, I feel like. Oh, right. yeah, I mean, hello. Did you ever read any of those articles about how there's an entire conspiracy theory about how Avril Lavigne yes. is like actually dead, but and now it's a clone of Avril? Yes, yeah, so the theory is that Lyme disease took her, and this is like a fake Avril now, right? Yes. And there's a lot of like quote-unquote evidence behind it that they show, like, look at her in this video and versus this one, and look at her marriage to Nickelback and blah, blah, blah. I feel like it would be, like, stars have so much plastic surgery and, like, professional oh makeup artists and, and personal trainers and stuff that if you look at, like, Lady Gaga in Poker Face or Paparazzi to looking at her in Rain On Me with Ariana Grande, she looks like a completely different person. Like, her face is completely different. Yeah, it looks like, oh, these two girls were related, I'm sure. Yes, like, they could play sisters on a TV show. Mm -hmm. But it's very much like, like Jennifer Lopez, I think has probably the best plastic surgeon on the planet because I think she has had a lot of work done, but I think she's done very little things to like maintain and improve over the course of the last like 20, 30 years or whatever. And that's why she still looks incredible because it's not like she hit 60 and then like yanked her hair back or like the skin of her face back into like a, a scrunchie on the back of her head. Like the the tiny little maintenance things I think are what make the difference in whether plastic surgery is like more evident or not yeah and anyway i don't know why am i talking about this oh we were talking about i'd like to say it's because we're talking about how the eyes of die are ageless to make it make sense but i don't know why i think what it is is um i was talking about avril lavigne and i and, oh right uh, oh looking so different from video to video yes. like it people really do look so different from video to video like i'm confident lady gaga has not been replaced by a clone right but she looks so different from when she started out the other thing i wanted to say about that is have you ever looked at the videos of avril lavigne at like fan meet and greets no i don't think so not not on purpose google google avril lavigne like meet and greet there's this weird thing where fans aren't allowed to touch her. Like they have to stay like at least three feet apart. So all of Avril Lavigne's like fan photos are so uncomfortably mm. awkward looking. It's like dates who went to the school dance together, but they're only friends. And so they're both like just standing there really awkwardly, not like in the weird prom pose that you usually do. Yeah. It's definitely worth a, worth a little Google. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. So, Matt, tell me what your favorite part was of these chapters. For me, I think my favorite part was in your chapter. I loved the the finding of the stone and everything, but something yeah. that was really cool to me was I loved seeing Perrin accept his wolf brotherdom, Wolfiness. you know, and like he he recognized like like Rand did, he recognized that he has this ability, he has something at his disposal he can use to sort of help them, and it would be remiss of him to not take advantage of that regardless of what it means i mean he's afraid of it but it hasn't shown it to be dangerous yet other than it being dangerous for him to be known as a wolf brother do you know what i mean and so right. i loved seeing him access that and specifically because when the um the wolves he's communicating with they have a name for elias and then they have a name for him yeah. And they mistake him as Elias at first. What's interesting to that about that to me is it just shows that of people who have this ability, like Wolf Brothers, there are mm -hmm. either A, really, really, really not that many. If their first thought is this is Elias and their second thought is, oh, you're the other one, kind of. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's like either option A or option B. Yeah. yeah. So it just shows that even if whatever else is happening in the world, like this is a really rare thing, which kind of makes it more special. 
And then the other part of it is if, if it's not that reason, then Elias is obviously someone who's, you know, mastered the skill and is someone important and powerful and someone who is like high up there. And if they think it's that sort of energy at first, but it's actually Perrin that shows that he has like the capacity to really grow in that role if he chooses to. So that was exciting to me because I, I didn't really, you know, we don't know, we don't know anything about the whole wolf brother thing hardly. So yeah, I thought that was kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. What about you? Like I said, this book I skipped more often. And so I, I'm going to say that my part, and, and I think last time I talked about how you miss, if you skip this book, you miss a lot of character development because it's really moving them beyond the first book where where it's the first book is really like setting a stage that then it sort of like explodes from there. And so I really liked the kind of moment between Matt and Perrin where they're like reflecting on their relationship with Rand and you know where he would have gotten off to, did he intend to leave? Do we need to track him down? Should we find him? Uh you know all of that all of that sort of like tension of who are we? Who are our friends anymore? Mm. I I like that because I again it, it really helps to explain like where these characters go for the remainder of the books. And yeah, I just, I like that kind of character development moment. Yeah. I like the way they are starting to reason things out. It's just a little bit more like they're all sort of accepting the circumstances that they're in finally in, in a way. And they're sort of rather than every single thing being like, things aren't the same. I'm a, I'm a shepherd. I can't wait to go home. This sucks. It's more like, okay, here we are. So what's going on actually and what does this mean rather than just like it's not happening it's not happening la 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 right they can't keep their head in the sand anymore yeah this is the book where they can't really keep their head in the sand anymore they might try periodically but to no avail it's not gonna work to no avail (laughs) that's right so you can email us at coolstorypod at gmail.com you can find us on instagram at coolstorypod you can tweet us on twitter at coolstorypod1 And again, don't forget to rate, review, like, subscribe, and share with your friends. Yes, please engage with us. We love, love, love hearing from you. Every every sort of correspondence we've gotten so far, we've just been over the moon delighted. So if you like what you're hearing, please share, spread the word, and uh, let everyone else like it too. That's right. And until next time, goodbye. Bye-bye.